Welcome everyone, Simon Jacobson here. The topic is how to fall asleep. Insights from Kabbalah. It was several months ago that someone posed this question to me and actually it made me smile inside. Someone had approached me after one of my programs, one of my classes, and said I have very difficulty, I find it very difficult to fall asleep at night. All my fears come up, I have uh, phobias, concerns. Maybe you have some advice, some insight, maybe even some mystical or Kabbalistic insight of how to help me fall asleep. So I remember thinking to myself, I didn't say anything, I thought to myself, many people are looking at how to become more cognizant how to be more awake, how to be more aware, how to heighten their consciousness. And here, this is looking how to fall asleep. And I thought about it metaphorically, that maybe we have to look for ways to be more awake, not more asleep. But he was really serious, and I in no way dismissed, of course, his request. It was just my own processing. And then I came to realize, actually, you know something? He may be concerned with simply falling asleep and just the physical matter of sleep, but there's something profound about that concept. Sleep is very much part of our reality. Estimates are that we sleep a third of our lives. If you sleep eight hours a night, that's a third of the day. Day is 24 hours. If you sleep a little less, a little less than a third. It's a serious part of our lives is sleep. And it's not at our choice. It's not because we're lazy or because we're numb or because we have nothing to do. It's part of human nature, part of our biology. In a broader sense, it's part of all of nature. The entire world goes through a sleep. If you think of the summer ending and the autumn beginning and the leaves begin to fall and then winter, the trees go to sleep. So seasons themselves are a form of sleep. Now, sleep doesn't mean, God forbid, death. It means a certain type of hibernation, type of lowering the temperature, literally and metaphorically, and the way of regeneration, which is what happens. A good night's sleep, and you wake up in the morning fresh, new. So when you think about it, sleep is very much part of being awake, and perhaps it can teach us things. That's what I was thinking it can teach us things about actually becoming more awake and more cognizant. Because if sleep is indeed necessary for us to be fresh and renewed and recharged and rejuvenated, then it must carry some secrets of life itself. Secrets of how we stay awake. Because if you don't sleep, you can't be awake. So I thanked him, actually, and said, you know, your question gives me some thought and I want to talk about this in one of the future programs that I give on a weekly basis. And here we are. I will also, of course, share what I told him as far as suggestions go. And there are some interesting Kabbalistic suggestions, believe it or not. But before we get to that, we have to understand what sleep is, the very nature of sleep. It reminds me of this uh, joke. This fellow couldn't sleep at night. And he was having these nightmares that under his bed there are demons. Every time he would peek under the bed, there were no demons. 
But then as soon as he'd lie back in bed, he was concerned and a demon snuck back in. And of course, this catch-22 situation. So his whole night was concerned. Is there a demon or not a demon under his bed? So he decided finally, you know, I'll go to a psychiatrist. Maybe something the matter with me. Goes to the psychiatrist. Top recommend the psychiatrist. Pay top dollar. And he sees him and the psychiatrist said, look, we may have to explore this. Go back to your childhood your different phobias, your fears, your insecurities. And we'll work on it. So this is a psychotherapist. So this began a process every week. You come once a week, $400 a session. Okay, well, it wasn't cheap, but the guy couldn't sleep at night. He was having these restless nights, and therefore we his days were very miserable. Well, every week he would go, and he'd be on the couch, and he would share and this. A psychiatrist is listening to him about his childhood, about his traumas, his experiences, his failures, his fears. Months and months pass, nothing's changing. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is coming, the holiday season. The rabbi comes to this individual who was a, one of the members in the synagogue as well as a, a donor. says, you know, the new year, perhaps you want to renew your pledge with an addition this year. Rabbi, this year I cannot because I spent a lot of money on therapy, on psychiatry, I just don't have any money left. He says, what did you go to psychiatrist for? He says, told him, I can't sleep at night. Demon's under my bed. The rabbi gives him a piece of advice. And you know what? After that, beautiful, his sleep. Peaceful, restful. He meets the psychiatrist. Of course, he doesn't go back to the psychiatrist. He meets the psychiatrist. A few months later, he says, what happened to you? Why did you stop, you stop coming? He says, I solved the issue. My rabbi gave me advice. It was free. We'll have to come to you every week, pay such money, and now the resolution. What did your rabbi tell you? What was his advice? He said, he told me to cut off the legs of my bed. The bed had legs, so there was room for a demon. Now there's no legs, there's no way a demon can be under my bed. So sometimes solutions are quite simple. Like they say, the trick is just turn the knob. That's how you get into the door, into the house. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this is not meant to dismiss people who have true fears. It means that sometimes the solution is in our heads, and if we can convince ourselves that no demon is possible, cut off the legs, you have your solution. We'll address this more as, as we go on. But I thought it just came to mind thinking about sleep and the difficulty we have sleep. And many people say, yes, I sleep difficultly, I have nightmares, I find that I'm very restless, I wake up quickly. Every sound, it's hard for me to fall asleep, take a sleeping pill. Everybody's got their tricks. But let's go back to the question, what is sleep? And it is a mystery. It is a secret. With all the research and all the science, we still don't really know what sleep is entirely and what actually happens. So what I will present here is a mystical Talmudic approach to sleep, as sleep is described in a very beautiful and eloquent poetic medrash. Medrash is one of the Talmudic um, parables, so to speak. And it uh, describes sleep in the following way, that the soul returns to its wellspring to retrieve and refresh itself with fresh water at night. That's the expression. Let's analyze that, which means the following. While we're awake, so of course, 
and we're talking about in a healthy circumstance, your soul is energizing your body. All your faculties are functioning. Your mind is working. Your heart is beating. The faculties, you're aware, you're cognizant. We go to sleep, we go into some type of state. What kind of state is it? The main organs and the vital organs continue to function. Your heart beats, your mind is working, but you're not quite cognizant. So like everything goes into a form of a slumber. The flame goes lower. So functionality is there, but not any type of growth, any type of higher faculties are not functioning. You cannot concentrate on an idea. You can't focus on a feeling. So the body is continuing to function, but there's a whole dimension of energy that's not entering it. Like, just like when you say the computer goes to sleep, which of course is <laughs> comparing it to our sleep, what it means a computer goes to sleep, that the screen perhaps shuts off. It's using the minimal amount of energy. And it's like resting, but it's only resting. So sleep is a lower form of performance, lower form of energy. But how do we translate that in so-called more, we'll call it more spiritual terms? That the energy flowing, the electricity flowing from the spirit or the soul, and mind you, this is not a religious concept. This is whatever you want to call the soul, but the source of electricity that gives life, that energizes life, that distinguishes between death and life, whereas death would be a corpse, a body, without that energy force, vivifying and energizing the body. And life is when the energy is flowing through properly. So sleep is obviously not death, God forbid, but what's happening is that energy flow is at minimal. It's like giving, investing the least amount of energy. Energy we sometimes call low energy level when we like uh, put our, our phones and say, you know, minimal energy to save the battery. Just to use examples. So the flow is still there. The basic functions are there. You could wake up and be revived, but while the sleep is happening, there's a part of our soul, a part of our energy that is no longer, or is, I'd say presently, not active. So where does it go? And we don't mean necessarily physically where it goes. Where does it go? So it'd be the equivalent of returning to the power source, to the engine room, to get energy. That's what that medrash is saying. It's reviving, it's getting, it's renewing its energy, the energy that was expended throughout the day. So the body is asleep. It's getting its minimal amount of energy to keep alive. And meanwhile, that energy flow is going back to the energy source, the power source, to, be re, to re, rejuvenate itself from that fountain, wellspring. And then it can come back. It's like, you, let's say you drank water. You, you ran out of water. What do you have to do? You have to go back to the reservoir. And there you draw the water, new water. Now you can function for a certain period of time until you need to be recharged yet again. So that's on a very basic level. But there's something more going on here. Because you can ask the question, the energy itself doesn't need to be revived. The energy is always energy. But remember, the energy is now invested and engaging with the body and with this physical world. So the energy needs more energy to give more energy into the body. Just like an appliance, just like anything is is energized by electricity, the electricity runs out. Not the source, but the way the amount that was here, so you have to go back to that source and revive and renew. But there's something deeper that's going on as well. 
In the process of sleep, because the body is now in a calmer state, in a restful state, so you can now, you, besides the fact that new energy is going to be given, the body can also now so-called relax and allow itself to be revived. So it's not just new energy is coming in, it's like after you worked hard or during the day, you just relax. That relaxation allows yourself to renew the energy. So two things are happening. The energy is being renewed from the source and the body is at peaceful state so it can be ready to receive new energy. If the body was still going at 90 miles an hour, even if you're getting new energy, it will not be possible. It's like you can't refill your tank without stopping the car. So there's a pause that takes place. So both things are part of the rejuvenation process. That's on a very basic level. But when you go a little deeper, you have to really get into the matters what defines life and death itself, what happens upon birth. So to simplify it, you have to say that electricity enters into the body at the moment of conception. It begins developing the seed, the egg that's fertilized by the, by the sperm, begins to develop, the cells split again and again and again. A fetus develops into an embryo and finally into a child, a newborn child, which will become an independent life after nine months of gestation of pregnancy and begin its development and growth process as we turn from children into adults. At the moment of conception, something happens. Not just the seed is fertilized, not just the egg is fertilized by the seed, but what happens also is there's some form of electricity is created out of it. Something took hold. A soul has entered. And that soul will now become part of and grow together with the body. The body becomes a full-blown body, meaning throughout the pregnancy. And now the soul and the body are one. But because they come from two different entities, two different realities, one is energy and one is a container, to use the Kabbalistic expression of orot and kalim, energy and container, the body being the container, the soul being the energy. So now they need to have that renewal. If they don't have the renewal, what will happen is the body will break down and the soul will become weary because it will spend, expend, and run and dra- be drained of energy. So that's why sleep comes into play, because sleep is an opportunity for the soul to return to its source, receive that energy, for the body to rest up after a long day at work, a long day of uh, being awake, and then they can rejoin in the fullest sense of the word in the morning, and then we have a new day, a new fresh day. That's essentially the elements. But there's a fascinating concept called rotze and shuv. I've talked about this. And that means tension and resolution. Or you can say to and fro. Running and returning. It's the concept that for every type of power energy, you always need to have two poles, positive and negative. I mentioned tension and resolution. Think of the heart's contraction and expansion. The breaths exhaling and inhaling. It's a process that allows fresh energy to enter, and the release of the toxins of the previous energy that was expended. So breath, you breathe in fresh air, the lungs breathe it in, it's oxidized, enters into the blood, but then the carbon monoxide that is part of it is expelled through the exhaling. And that way we keep constantly a flow of fresh life. But think of it even more so as being an ability to constantly look for something greater something new, 
integrate and internalize it and then release the toxins and release the, expel the extras and the waste and then get new fresh air. So it's a simple analogy. It's like, let's say, in any form of growth, true growth. Think of it a student and a teacher. The teacher teaches a new idea to a student. So the student, this is new. It's a bit over their heads. But then they internalize it. Something remains above them, and then they're ready for more. And as not just ready for more of the same, they're perhaps ready to grow. Now that their container is expanded, I can reach and get a little more energy, a little more light, a little more intelligence. Any form of growth works that way. You receive something that's beyond you, you internalize it, and then you come back for more, and that's how you climb the ladder. So the real process of the to and fro process of this heart contraction, breathing, and as we'll speak in a moment, sleep and awake, is not just you're going to sleep and you're getting refreshed and now you're like you were, like you were yesterday, yesterday morning. No, every day the energy of the soul is getting more energy and therefore you're spiritually growing each day. But if we just work in, a, in a, one flow, we wouldn't be able to internalize it. If the student would constantly, if the teacher constantly streamed inf- information, a student never had respite and ability to pause and rest and internalize and process, would be overwhelmed. So the key is this balance. Think of raindrops. The rain is a beautiful gift and a blessing. But if it comes down as, as, a, uh, as a flood, it'll deluge the fields and drown them, flood the fields, and it's just as destructive as a drought. The beauty is it has to come paste, spoon-fed. So you get some energy, it enters you, then you release that energy, and as you do, you get a higher form of energy, and that's how we grow. That's how our containers get expanded as new energy keeps entering. So it is an energy container experience, soul and body, but it's not just keep on going back to square one. Each day is meant to be a new form of energy. Now think of that then. So sleep then, Besides the fact that it allows your soul, allows your, uh, the, your energy source to re- rejuvenate your soul, which in turn will rejuvenate your body, the energy from the source will then enter into the container, something else happens. It always brings some new energy that was not there the night before. So sleep, therefore, contains unbelievable power. When we think of being awake and being conscious, yes, that's an important thing to be aware that I mentioned before, higher consciousness. But the key thing is also to be able to contain and sustain and grow in that concept. So if you think of it that way, sleep is not an end in itself. It's a process that allows us to grow and ju- the journey. You're running a marathon. You can't run all the time. There has to be pauses, moments of rest and respite. But you're not resting in order to rest. You're resting in order to regain energy and re reconnect, regain energy so you can run even further. Think of it like stepping back in order to thrust forward. So sleep becomes a critical component in the journey of life of the ability for mortal human beings like us to grow greater and greater and greater. If we never slept hypothetically, we would slowly become drained and we would have no moment of being able to be rejuvenated. So sleep offers us that opportunity, the opportunity to internalize energy, to rest, in order for the soul to revive and receive more energy, and then 
pass it on to the body, so to speak, as it re-enters. Now when I say re-enters, let's make it clear. It doesn't re-enter in the full sense of the word because as I said, sleep does not mean the cessation, God forbid, of life. It just means that the energy that is necessary is like automatic pilot. Goes into automatic pilot. So the soul is leaving enough for the body to survive. And meanwhile, it can go back to the original place to really, really rejuvenate itself and regenerate and regain new energies that it can then bring into the body. I talked about this topic. This is a book that came out a few years ago called The Power of Habit. That how, does habit, how, do, how are habits developed? Which also explains why it's so difficult to break a habit. It's because the mind is brilliant. The mind recognizes things we do repeatedly. And after a while, the mind says, why do I have to invest energy in a repeated thing? I'll write a macro, an algorithm, if you wish. So you know, in the morning, you don't have to think about every step of the way. You wake up in the morning, you wash your face, you shower, you breakfast, uh, I'm sorry, you, you brush your teeth without even thinking. Sometimes you ask yourself, did I do it? What happens? The mind is saying, let me reserve my energy for doing far greater things, for immersing myself and exerting myself in developing new ideas. Why use so much brain energy for things that are habits? And it watches us. The mind recognizes you're doing something again and again. And basically, it says, you know what? Here are the program. I'm just going to write this program. And it goes automatic. You wake up, you just have your regimen. That's how habits develop. That's how habits are formed. That's why it's so hard to break. Because once that algorithm was written, once you are going through the steps Basically, brainlessly, is now you say, I want to stop something, it's not so simple. You have to retrain the mind to re-enter and say, okay, you know what, we're going to now invest energy to stop this algorithm, this macro. And that takes a lot of work. It's not, poss- it's not impossible, but it takes work. So the same idea, we see this everywhere in nature. Whenever an energy is seemingly, uh, whenever something becomes rote or mechanical or other forms where you want to preserve energy, energy will understand that it has to reserve itself and give the minimal. Another example, is not a positive example, is hypothermia. When children, especially because of their body weight and different challenges that they may have and balances, fall under, let's say, under ice in freezing cold water. So now we know there's a hypothermic state that the body goes into. Once upon a time, it was confused with death. All the bodily functions, all the vital organs stopped working. And people thought this child was dead until they realized, no, the body is going into a shock to the point, not just regular shock, to the point that shuts down all the energy just to preserve the minimum, which was hard to discern, maybe impossible to discern, in order to preserve life. That's what, in generally, that's what a body does, the immune system does, that when there's an attack on the body, it will preserve energy, which may cause, this is why by infections there's the fighting of the white blood cells against the germ. So it causes all kinds of symptoms, but it's all in order to give us energy, to preserve energy and save energy, which is why the body will go into this type of state in order to save the life. So in sleep, not quite extreme, it's the same idea. The body, the soul goes into this, into this low energy form, giving the minimal, so there's functionality. But in order for it to be able to return, return not in the spatial sense of it, conceptually, 
to its fountain, its power source, and rejuvenate itself, and then it can rejuvenate the body as well. Now, what are the implications of this? The implications of this are very straightforward. Sleep is a tremendous opportunity for renewal. Because everything shuts down, so you're not immersed in whatever anxieties and concerns and even positive things you had, you were doing through the day. It's a moment of real peace. The body resting and the soul rejuvenating. That's what sleep is. So it's a tremendous opportunity if we use it well. We'll soon be speaking about how we go into, how do we fall asleep properly? How do we enter the sleep? But if once we have to, but we first have to understand sleep is not just some necessary evil or something we, have, we, we can't avoid. It's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity for renewal. And that's why you'll find the mystics explain that this energy is always going through renewal on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, that everything turns in a comatose state in order to be renewed. Look at the moon. The moon is a physical example of this. It wanes, waxes and wanes to the point of extinction. And you don't see any moon. A new moon is inv- invisible, only to be reborn again. And that is symbolic of this concept. That renewal is only possible if there is a state of sleep. In the classic words of Jonathan, when he tells David, who is being pursued by his father Saul, he says, Tomorrow will be a party. The new month party, the new moon party, which was there on a monthly basis. And you will not be sitting there so you will be remembered because your seat was empty. Sometimes when we see the seat is filled, we forget, we take it for granted. Renewal happens when there's a certain absence. It's like the vacuum draws out new powerful energy. What I mentioned before, the step back creates a thrust forward. So this concept is there in every possible way. Sleep is stepping back in order to step much more forward. So it's a tremendous opportunity when used properly. But we have to know how to go to sleep and we have to know how to awake, which we'll talk about shortly. That is why during sleep you can actually resolve issues and things can happen to you that are very, very refreshing and rejuvenating or the opposite. It can become a haunting night as an extension of the day. So that all comes down to how you enter the sleep. Talk about dreams. So the Talmud says, that a person dreams at night what they think about by day. So in other words, if you carry your day in a way and you have negative thoughts during the day, it's going to affect your sleep. If you have positive thoughts, it will affect your sleep for the better. Why? Because it's one long process. As I said, there's two steps in the process. Awaken, awake, awake, being awake, sleep, and, re- and awakening in the morning again. So we understand sleep as part of a spiritual process, if you could wish a spiritual respite, a spiritual pause, in order to gain even deeper spiritual insight and deeper spiritual energy, then it's a whole different take on sleep. Sleep is of sacred, sacred moments. Now many of us, sleep is an escape. I can't wait to go to sleep. I can't want to stay asleep. I don't want to be numbed. I don't want to hear what's happening. That's when we use sleep in a way of escape. What I'm talking about is a sleep that's a form of rejuvenation, not escape. So with that said, 
then how does one really go to sleep? Well, on a very practical level, not with a newspaper on your nose, and not with the television on. Because then you're bringing the day into your night. You want to prepare yourself, both body and soul, to a true rejuvenating experience. What do you do when you want to prepare for rejuvenation? Go to a spa. Go to these very high-end, powerful healing places. uh, Retreats, spas, and so on. One of the things they tell you is, you have to cleanse yourself. Don't bring your past. Don't bring your whole anxiety. Obviously, you bring everything that you are. But you want to like, almost free yourself. The first step is create space. Free yourself. So sleep is a mini spa. But in the literal sense as well, because we're going back to the fountain. So how do you prepare yourself? You can't go into a relaxing situation with all your lack of relaxation, because then it'll just contaminate and not be able to relax. So first thing in relaxing is step back. Take a breath in. Prepare yourself. That's how we have to go to sleep in a certain way of preparing ourselves. And there are steps which we'll be talking about in a moment. But the idea is to set your mind. You're going, to, you're going into a certain state where your body will be resting, your soul will be rejuvenating. Meanwhile, the functionality will continue and you're preparing yourself for this so-called rejuvenating spa, which is sleep. So how do we prepare ourselves? First thing is you want to create space and a boundary between the day and the sleep. You don't want to bring it all in, fall asleep with all those anxieties. So reading something spiritual, spiritual poem, saying a prayer, speaking about things with yourself or with your loved one that are intimate, that are loving and nurturing, creating that type of space. Don't allow, not allowing the day's activities and events, the news, other people's uh, interests, whether it's being streamed to you by your phone or other ways, to control your entry into this spa, this nightly spa. The mystics and the Kabbalists talk about, as well as the Talmudists, talk about taking an accounting at the end of the day saying an evening prayer before sleep. The Shema, it's called the Shema before sleep. Literally called Kriya Shema Al-Hamita. Reading of the Shema on your bed, meaning before sleep. What are you focusing on? Unity, divine unity, transcendent forces. And you give an account, you take an accounting, taking stock of your day. What do you accomplish? What do you want to accomplish? especially in the areas of your spiritual growth, of your moral behavior, of your values. We're not talking about business goals. We're not talking about mundane pedestrian concerns. All this is part of preparing. Now, how much to prepare everybody in their own way? So you can't just expect to enter this place, this spa, without preparing if you really want to benefit most of it. Or else what you're doing is you're causing your sleep to just be an extension of your anxious day. There's that final prayer. Beautiful. In your hands, I entrust my spirit. It's about trust. It's about surrender to beautiful things, to something greater than you are. It's recognizing the mystery and secret, the mystery of sleep. 
as being a place where your soul goes back to its power source. Think about that. And you're ready to allow it to go back and to return to you with new energy. You can even say with a new mission, with a new directive, with a new goal, with new goals. That's how you prepare. In one of the Kabbalistic works from the Ramosha Cordoviro, 16th century great mystic from Tzvat, a contemporary of the Holy Arizal, of Isaac Luria. So he writes that one of the methods to go to sleep is to think about water, running water. It's actually an advice that he gives for people who have difficulty sleeping. I know people talk about counting sheep, running water. And he talks about the fact that when you visualize something, it actually creates a mood. It changes something. Visualizing running water. Now he doesn't directly connect it, but think about what I spoke about earlier, the wellsprings, the fountain. What you're visualizing is running water. Running water is one of the easiest visualizations of renewing energy. What is running water? It's running from a source wherever it's running to. And it's a flow. It's not stand, it's not still water. It's flow. So think about that before you go to sleep. Running water. And visualize as you see fit, but there are many metaphors of it. Perhaps the water is the flow of the soul's energy going back to its source and then entering into the body. Perhaps it's the flow of the divine energy entering into the soul. Maybe all the above. However, whatever works for you. And that's what I advise that individual. And I said to him, let me know how it goes. I didn't give them the whole elaboration that we spoke about here, but I shared that thing with the flowing of water and also the preparation. And lo and behold, he did tell me a little while later, he said, it really worked. And you don't think about it. It seems so simple, but you don't think about it. Because your day takes over. Your habits take over. Your routines, as I mentioned. Pausing and just allowing yourself to think of yourself differently, that already is a, an achievement. Because you're not a creature of habit. You're not stuck by your past. You can revive, renew, and sleep is right there for you. That's doing it for you. You don't even have to prepare for that. Meaning the sleep itself. You have to prepare the mood, the environment. And there's nothing wrong to create in your bedroom an environment, whether it's aroma, whether it's music, but it should all be peaceful. It should all be calm. Because that's what's conducive, just like water running. And you'll be surprised what happens next. What happens next is your sleep takes over. And it's not a sleep controlled by the day. It's controlled now by the inner devices of your psyche and your spirit, the inner devices that go back to the fountain, refresh themselves in order to refresh you and your body. So when you do wake up, it's a whole new experience now. Because sleep was not just an escape. It wasn't just, okay, let me just, I'm so exhausted and tired and fatigued. Let me just, I just collapsed. It actually becomes a force of renewal, a force of rejuvenation. And yes, like the moon, you become renewed and you wake up in the morning. And what's to be the first thing you're doing? Exactly where you ended the night before. Not jump into your workday. Say that short prayer that we've talked about many times. Moda'ani, I thank you. I offer gratitude for returning my soul to me for renewing my contract, my mission in life, for renewing my soul, renewing the energy, 
in a renewed way. Find other words if they work for you. But the key is that the bookmarks of your life, before you go to sleep and waking up, should both be controlled by the spiritual flow from the fountain into the body. From the fountain into the soul, into the body. And therefore see yourself as energy and container. And that's a story. Energy and container. And it's up to you to keep that flow going, like the blood flow. Contraction, expansion. Awake, asleep, awake again. And every day is a new day. As one of the great Hasidim said, it's actually my paternal great-grandfather, that you think about that tomorrow should be a little better than today. And just like the sun rises, you rise afresh and anew. Everything has been renewed. It's a powerful way of seeing yourself and taking control of your life because, again, we get stuck in our routines. Our routine, you know, I go to sleep, I went to sleep, I woke up, you think it's just, okay, every day it happens. But it's an extraordinary experience that we see as ordinary. Extraordinary daily, literally daily experience that is imposed on us whether we like it or not. We have to go to sleep at some point. So why do it in a forced way? Do it in a beautiful way of seeing that as the flow, the navigation of life. The navigation of the rhythms of life. Because if you think about it, that's exactly what it is. Like the waves. Like the waves. You're not just going forward. There's, there's the forward thrust. There's being awake. Then there's the sleep, which is a quieter state. Repose. Pausing. Allowing yourself to be carried. And then renewed, revi- revived and rejuvenated to begin anew. That's the true alignment of life. And on the cosmic level, the Kabbalists explain, is also the same, as I said before, the energy flows and returns. It returns to this, it, 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 uh, it uh, yearns and pines for its source, and then it returns again, back and forth. Contraction, expansion. Rotse, it run, runs and returns. Tension, resolution. Exhale, inhale. And that's the process of all life force. All life force works that way. It's never just a flow. It's a flow that has two sides to it, that pushes it forward. The positive, the negative, the the restraint or the resolution and the tension. The tension brings resolution, resolution brings the tension. And that's how life works. When a person can align themselves and navigate those vicissitudes, and those rhythms, then you're in a healthy place. You look at a, 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 a cardiogram, a perfect wave, a healthy cardiogram. It's a perfect wave. There are valleys and peaks, but they're balanced. If the valleys are too deep or the peaks are too high, that's an, in, that's an that's a, um, irregular rhythm. You want that rhythm. You don't want a flat line. You don't want just peaks, and you don't want just valleys. You want the perfect balance. And a life that's about looking at everything. There are times where you move forward. There are times where you pause. You collect yourself. Recalibrate yourself. In business, there are times when things are not necessarily that profitable or so growth. You go back, you take stock. You reorganize. 
It's a great opportunity to evaluating. And then you're ready to move forward to the next step. This is the process. So sleep is a tremendous asset in our lives and very much reflects on the cosmic level. The sleep, what is called in the, Zohar, in the language of the Zohar, durmita, a form of slumber or sleep that's always necessary before you go to the next level of growth. Sometimes the expression is a state of being, a state of vacuum, in order to get to another state of being. A seed rots in the ground in order to grow into a sapling. We all go through, all creativity follows frustration. So you're clear about something, then you get all confused as it prepares you to transition to learn something new. That all newness will always come with some shedding. You have to shed a layer of skin in order to gain a new layer. That's the story of all life. Since sleep is exactly that. You're shedding something in order to gain something even newer and greater. So with that, sleep becomes not, no, I'm not looking to go to sleep in the sense to be numb, to be unaware, to be not conscious. On the contrary, sleep is a step to become more aware, more conscious, and more awake. So all this began generated by a question that an individual asked me, looking simply for some solutions to fall asleep better, sleep more peacefully. When it turned, it turned into, as I came to realize, that sleep is a tremendous gift that actually allows us to become more aware. Sleep allows us to be more alert, more cognizant, more conscious. When you see it that way, life in general takes on a whole different shape because you see everything being part of a bigger picture. There's a narrative, a choreography. It's not just an end in itself. But very often we get trapped in living in the moment. Moment by moment by moment, instead of seeing them as frames in a larger narrative, in a larger film. So, my friends, I hope this was helpful. And yes, we'll help you find more restful and peaceful sleep. Knowing that it's a spiritual rejuvenation. And waking up with something completely new, new hope, new optimism. Because when you sleep peacefully, your waking is also much more peaceful. Now, it's not going to always be perfect. It's not easy to do. Sometimes you have a very stressed day. But that's what we're shooting for. That's our objective. And let me know how it goes. I really would love to appreciate, I would love, really appreciate hearing, I'd love to hear from you how this works because we all learn from each other. I want to learn from you and I hope you learn from me. This is what we're here for, the Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can find resources, life skills about every topic, especially many that are not addressed by others, with angles and unique angles that help us illum- help illuminate dimensions of our own inner psyches and inner workings to help us become better people, better relationships. Because you'd be surprised. This alone, what I just described, sleep can help you be more intact. And as you're more intact, you can be more loving, more kind, more giving, less, less insecure, which allows you to be more giving. So it actually can enhance your relationship. And it's interesting, sleep happens at night when everything goes into a so quieter mode. The body as well, but as well as the entire world. So maybe you all have very beautiful sleeps, but also very beautiful awakenings. Awakenings that lead us to new places to actualize new resources and ta- or newly discovered resources and talents within you. Each of us should be able to fulfill our calling and our mission. The one that only you and only you can accomplish. 
So please, stay in touch, give us feedback, share. We're partners in this. And any thoughts and ideas, suggestions, we look forward to. We're all part of one larger organism. MeaningfulLife.com, we're here every Wednesday, 8.30. And then all these programs are archived. Check it out. We have a very rich, wide array of resources and life skills, meaningful life skills on our site, MeaningfulLife.com. And as always, be blessed. I look forward to see you next week. Thank you very much.